What I've learned from recovery is that we learn, we grow, we transform, in part because we, we witness the growth and development and change in, in other people. And we have an opportunity to, to see that, to see ourselves in others. Welcome to Impact the World. Today, I have a very special guest. It is somebody who was on season one. So we're delighted he's back in the studio. Uh, he is also the man that I married in 2018. So full disclaimer, we know each other very well. But the reason I'm thrilled he's back is because he has an amazing new book. It's called Recovering You. And when we had him on the show last time, not only was this book in its infancy and its pre-birth stage, so too were certain elements of his work. So I'm thrilled to have back Stephen Washington to talk about his work, his journey, and recovering you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Long time no see. Long time no see. Now, did you feed the cats before you came here today? Yes. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> then, we can, then we can proceed as normal. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, happy birthday to, to you for this book mm. because Recovering You, which you have there next to you, Soul Care and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction. I mean, this book, I have witnessed you really pour yourself into it. And I know it took over a year to create, but I love the fact that this has come to light now because if before we talk about the book in general, one of the things about you that I find so interesting is you've been a lifelong creative, but about five or six years ago, you started writing and you immediately had this mastery of writing. So could you perhaps share what that was like to uncover this gift, this new gift to add to all of your other wellness teaching that you've been doing for so long? Well, I started to write after I met you, after I met you and we started to tr travel to the UK to visit your family. And what inspired me to write during that time was just all the things that I was observing, just being in your family dynamic and then comparing it to my family dynamic and noticing the differences and, and, the, and the similarities and and just being enamored by your your um, your home country, and it just it just inspired me to put pen to paper, and to just reflect, and write these short stories. And sometimes the stories would be about family. Sometimes it would be about recovery. Um, just so many different things, and whatever, whatever whatever would strike me. And, and when I felt the impulse to write, I couldn't deny it. I just would you know, wake up in the middle of the night and start writing or writing on the airplane or, or in your sister's kitchen. So, and it just developed from there. And all of a sudden I have this you know, collection of short stories. Um, yeah, it's, I'm quite surprised by, by that type of um, artistic expression coming from me because I'm so used to expressing myself artistically in other ways. And so I was pleasantly surprised to find that I can write, 
and that I enjoy it and that what I write is compelling. What struck me most about it was you would share these articles and stories and they are a combination of memoir and personal growth. So they're beautifully written and you read them and you identify with them, but there is always a, a very gentle, subtle teaching in them if you want the teaching to be there. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe how you were doing these without redrafting. You know, these, you'd write these pretty quickly. You wouldn't really redraft them. And, and yet they were so finished and formed. Were you shocked by the, the appearance of this gift? Because those of us who read your first articles, it was very evident, wow, this is, this is a writer. This isn't just somebody writing some things. This is a writer. I mean, how was that for you to kind of come to terms with that? Uh, like I said a moment ago, I didn't see it coming. I just, I just responded to this internal, like inner urging to do it and to express myself in that way. And I'm always intrigued by creativity and, and just the, the, whatever that spark is that, that ignites the desire and then the execution and expression of that creative thought or idea. So when it began for me in this way, I was just thrilled by it. And I just wanted to see where it would go each time. And yeah, I, and, and, and it felt very informal for me. So I would write these stories. Of course, I would proofread it as best as I could. And I would share them with you. And then I would share them on social media and not give it much thought beyond that because I just felt like I wanted to just express myself um, and my experience and I wanted people to be able to connect to it, um, whether they wanted, because sometimes there is a, 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 an insight or a teaching in, embedded in the story, um, because it's usually about something that I've learned about myself, or about my family, and I know that when you share things like that, people respond, people see themselves in, in the story because it's, it's so human. And uh, that's one of the things that was also just very interesting to me and exciting. And, um, and it made me want to do it more and more because I wanted to see how my story, my stories impacted others. Like what, what did it make them think about or what did it make them feel or what did it, does it, what did it make them recall in their own story. I just find that fascinating and just all these different connection points that we all have. And sometimes I think in the world today, we just, we see all these disconnections, mm. but I think it's so important that we find the connections because they're there, they're there. Beneath all the noise, they're there. One of the people who was impacted by your writing that you were sharing was Georgia at New World Library. I thought you were going to say your mother. Well, actually, my mother <laughs> is your biggest fan. Like, yeah. you know, your mother-in-law loves your articles and your writings. And my joke to her is that you're going to do a book all about her, which she didn't. <laughs> Don't scare she her wasn't like so that. into that. <laughs> but um, but Georgia, I remember I remember the email that came to you about your articles from Georgia and New World Library. So New World Library loved your writing, but they also knew that you were teaching Qigong. Mm -hmm. So they reached out to you to talk to you about that. How, 
what what happened there? What was the what was the bridge that went from the articles to this book via your conversation with New World Library? Well, well, first I, I, I want to acknowledge something, and it's something that you encouraged me to do at the very beginning was just to write and express myself. Because um, I thought about, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if I could maybe write a book someday? Uh, and as time moved on, I became less and less attached to the idea of writing a book. I was thinking more about just just write and just express yourself and just put it out into the world and don't worry about what form it takes. Just just do it. Um, so I really didn't have an attachment to getting a book deal or anything like that. So when when Georgia reached out to me, it was such a pleasant surprise and at the same time it wasn't a surprise because I knew that that was in the realm of possibility for me because when you I don't know when you feel the creative urgings that I felt um, and I could see the way people were responding to it I knew that there was a place for this um, there was a place for this on a, on a, on a larger scale um, so yeah, when she reached out, she it's funny how she didn't she thought I was your friend. <laughs> she didn't know that 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 we were married, and so she just wanted to know who I was and and um, and whether or not I would be interested in writing a book. And and uh, we began to have a conversation, and of course, I said I would absolutely love to write a book. And and we went back and forth um, briefly about what that could potentially be, and then what came to mind. Uh, was to put in book form an online course that I created, I don't know, maybe a year or two before before that time. And, um, and she liked that idea, this idea of providing tools and um, practices for people uh, recovering from addiction, uh, basically sharing the things that have helped me along my recovery journey. And once we, once we decided that was where this book was going to go, um, I, just, I just felt this lovely momentum just moving forward. And uh, it's been, it was an amazing experience to write it. Mm. I learned a lot about myself. <laughs> well, it's a really rich book because it, it covers a lot of different modalities and your memoir writing is in there where you share not only your own experiences with recovery but also things that can help other people and then you have beautiful diagrams mm -hmm. of the qigong exercises you're walking people through so for anybody who has perhaps heard of qigong but isn't really familiar with what it is how would you describe qigong to someone who is new to it I mean, basically, Qigong is an ancient Chinese healthcare system. It's a physical practice that combines flowing movements, standing postures, deep breathing, and focused intention to activate and cultivate and circulate life force energy. And that life force energy is that just that divine spark that you know makes our heart beat, that that just fuels everything that we do, that animates us. And when you take the word Qigong and you break it down. Um, qi means energy or breath, 
and gong means work or skill. So the practice of qigong is a practice where we just learn to become more skillful at managing our energy. And uh, qigong has been a huge part of my life and my recovery for quite some time now. Um, it's been a practice that's just helped me manage stress. Uh, and that's so important for all of us to know how to manage stress because stress is something that we all have to deal with and a certain amount of stress is healthy for us. Um, but when we're experiencing stress um, too much, too often, it takes a toll. And I think that this kind of a practice is so useful in helping us to manage stress. And as a, as a recovering um, alcoholic and addict, it helps me to meet life on life's terms without f having the need to um, act out in in an in addictive way. Mm. And how did you find Qigong? When, when was that moment, that light bulb, where you and Qigong got connected in the way that you are now? I found Qigong when I was in Chinese medicine school. I, I was certain at a certain time in my life that I was going to be a Chinese medicine doctor. And I had moved from New York to California to join a, a master's program for it. And uh, once I began the program after working so hard to get there, it was not an easy road for me to get there. Um, I had this internal urging or, or insight that this might not be the path for me. Mm. And that caused me a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety because I worked so hard to get there. And I was so sure that that's what I was meant to do. Um, and to have this level of doubt um, was disconcerting. And um, one of the things that helped me to navigate that period of my life was um, Qigong because it was part of the curriculum. So Thomas, who was my Qigong teacher at the time at the school, was just a wonderful teacher. And I'm sure he had no idea what he did for me by being my teacher and sharing this wealth of knowledge with me, um, this movement practice, um, because that's the way, in order to, to get into me, into me, into my heart, and into my, um, my being, movement is, is my language. And so I immediately latched onto it. And I, and I remember being in class and being worried about um, all my other courses and, and will I be able to um, get good grades on my exams and will I be able to learn this material and do I really want to do this? All these things just uh, running through my mind and once I got into the physical practice, I noticed immediately that the practice had the ability to just help me move that energy that was building up in my body and, and settling in my, my tissues. And then it also helped me to calm my mind because my mind was racing a thousand miles a minute. And also I had so many emotions around it all and it just helped me to just smooth out and soothe my, my heart. And over a period of time, it just helped me become clear about what it was that I wanted for myself. And it gave me the insight and the clarity and the courage to not listen to what I thought others expected of me. 
and it and it just gave me kind of like this bigger picture of my life and that I knew that this was just one moment in time and then in the big picture of my life it really wasn't consequential and that perhaps the reason why I was in Chinese medicine school is not to become a Chinese medicine doctor it was so that this practice uh, this ancient medicine and this practice could become a part of me help heal me and give me the ability to share it with others down the road. And I didn't know exactly how that would be, um, but I knew that it had a tremendous impact on my life. And so I thought, well, gosh, if it's helped me with this, imagine what it can do for other people as well. So that's how Qigong entered my life. What I love, obviously, I, I know that story. What I love about it is when we first met, you were telling me about your time in Chinese medicine school and how much you admired everything that Chinese medicine school was trying to teach you, but how, how much you'd gone through with the, the feeling of failure at the time. Mm. And you'd invested a lot of money. You'd had to take out some serious loans to be able to do that study. And what I love now, and this is always the benefit of hindsight and us being able to, to, to kind of look back and see the important seeds in our life is we're sat here today in the studio where for the last two years, you are teaching people Qigong every week. Uh, you have a members community and you broadcast to that, that very community from this studio. You've got this book on the table next to you mm-hmm. And it's everything that, that you were meant to do and be. And yet so often in our hero's journey moments where we're really tested or the dark nights of the soul, it's hard to see the gold in the middle of it all. But it, I, I love your story as a testament to that process for all of us to remember. Mm. We never quite know what we're getting out of this moment that might seem very difficult or very contra to what we thought it was going to be or what we wanted. Uh, but it, you stay the course. And I think what I love about this book for you is you said a minute ago that movement is, is so you. I mean, I remember when we first went to the cinema together, the movie theater. <laughs> I don't know how long it took you to start stretching and turning around in the seat, but I think within the first 20, 30 minutes, you're stretching and turning and I'm, oh, okay. And then now, you know, living with you, you're constantly moving or stretching something or rolling something in your body or, and um, so this, this book to me covers so many aspects. And I know this book is just the beginning, but perhaps we should lean in a little to how recovery became such a, a part of your life. Cause I know everyone's recovery journey is different. Mm-hmm. So how, when, at what time did recovery come into your life and, and, and what was that journey like for you? <laughs> I could have used recovery long before I finally, it finally entered my life, but it always happens the way it's supposed to happen. But I was definitely a candidate for recovery long before I actually made it into, into recovery. Um, but it, I was maybe 31 years old. Um, I had hit what I would call my bottom. Um, and you know, everyone's 
everyone's bottom is different. And that's a recovery term for when, for you know, when, everything explodes in your life or, you, yeah. or, or things are really careening out of control. When you really feel the consequences yeah. of, of your using and your actions. You know, and for me, I didn't, I didn't lose a job. I didn't lose a house. Uh, I, I didn't overdose and, and end up in the hospital. Um, those things didn't happen to me. But what did happen to me was I, um, I lost myself. Like where I would look at myself in the mirror and not really recognize who I was or the things that I was doing, um, how I was behaving, how I was treating other people. Um, I, I, uh, at the time, I had one of the best jobs I'd ever had, probably the most lucrative job I'd ever had. Uh, up, in, up until uh, when I was a dancer for the on Broadway with the Lion King, and um, and I didn't have a really didn't have a cent to really show for it after doing the show for years, at least a couple of years, because I was um, spending it all on drugs and alcohol. Um, and yeah, and then also just putting my body through what I put my body through. Um, luckily, I was young and my body was still resilient, um, but I was pushing it hard. I was pushing it hard setting aside what I was doing for a living in terms of just pushing my body hard with my dancing um, and, and really um, performing at the top of my field, basically like an athlete, a professional athlete performs at the top of their field. And at the same time, I was doing so many things to hurt my body from the drinking, from the drugging, from the cigarette smoking, um, not getting enough rest, not drinking enough water all the things that we do. Um, so yeah, I, I found recovery in my early 30s. I remember the day that uh, I realized that I couldn't go, I couldn't, I couldn't go further with it was, uh, it wasn't anything extraordinary or out of the ordinary. I was out partying with friends one night and done too much, uh, partying, um, had made plans to go to a theme park the next day with those friends. Um, I overslept. They were waiting for me in their car outside my apartment building for over an hour, honking the horn. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I slept through my alarm. I woke up. We went off to this trip. I, on this trip to this theme park, I had a, an appointment with my therapist at the time, a phone appointment that I had forgotten about, but then I thought, oh, I can just have my appointment over the phone in the middle of the theme park with my therapist. <laughs> he won't mind. That didn't go so well. And he... he what he, ride were you on at the time? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, hi. <laughs> uh, It was insane. But, you know, that I needed someone outside of my mind, mm. my, myself, to point out just some of the insanity that was going on. And so he, he, he did that for me, and I'm really grateful for, for that. And it just, something inside me said, okay, Stephen, it's over. It's over. And I, it's something I thought about and prayed about uh, months before I thought and I prayed for help. Um, and something said, call, call your friend Craig, who was in recovery, he's in 12-step recovery, had been for years, he'd been sober for years, um, had always been this 
this amazing um, model of health and um, sobriety and always for me and um, something said just call him he can help you he'll know what to do mm. so I went over to his apartment I shared with him what had been going on and one of the things that he said that really struck me was a few weeks before that day he and his partner had seen me perform in the lion king and they'd come backstage after the show and his partner kelvin later said to craig is stephen okay there's usually like a light inside of him that emanates and that light just seems turned way 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 down and this is a man who's not in recovery who's not doesn't have like a a, a big spiritual life at least that i not that i knew of but he was able to intuitively see that or feel or sense that there was something wrong and um so in any event craig took me to my first meeting my first um 12-step meeting and um and I just basically just kept going back, kept going back one day at a time um, and just following suggestions um, and doing the best I could to um, keep going back to meetings because that's what worked for me and trying not to drink or use in between. And, um, and day by day, bit by bit, year by year, I built a life that I think is really worth living and um and that was 20 years ago we just celebrated 20 years of sobriety yeah. last month did you feel relief very quickly once you decided to enter recovery or did that take time for me i felt a sense of relief because i felt like i had been running 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 and i felt like i was able to stop running also i felt like i was holding my breath for a long time and then finally once it all stopped I felt like I could breathe again mm. um, and it's funny people often say in early recoveries you know because it's part of um, you know part of that period is just detoxing your body from all the things that you've been putting into your body or just um, and sometimes that affects your ability to sleep like some people talk about how they're not able to sleep initially. Some people use the substances to help them sleep. Um, one thing that was true for me was that I noticed that when I stopped drinking and stopped using drugs and, and, and working to get sober, I, was, I would sleep through the night. Mm. I slept better. Because, you know, cocaine was a big thing for me. Uh, and that's a stimulant. And, and so I wasn't sleeping much. I wasn't sleeping nearly as much as I, I, need, I really should have and needed to. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a relief to, to get off that hamster wheel. You talked a little bit about dancing and the fact that you were dancing on Broadway. And I know you, you, you toured a lot as a contemporary dancer before you were on Broadway with Lion King. Mm -hmm. You then made the transition to become a Pilates teacher a little over a decade ago. And it's funny because it was seeing you teach Pilates not long after you and I had started dating 
I walked into a room where you were teaching a group in Palo Alto at the time, and I caught like the last 10 minutes of you teaching. And I just remember bias aside going, wow, he's a master teacher. And that was what led me to ask you, would you come and do some movement? Uh, some of my live events, I was about to go to Australia and Germany and lots of different stops in the US. And so you came along and did all of that. But six years ago, you weren't teaching online. And over the last six years, I have witnessed you step by step, class by class, video by video, blog post by blog post, build up this, this world of wellness that you now inhabit. I mean, you have your members community where you teach a core Qigong class, which is a fusion of Pilates and Qigong, but you've also expanded to bring in some dance and some laughter yoga. And what's it like to kind of look back on your journey this last six years and to now be sitting at this moment going, oh, I did that. And I, I allowed myself to do that and go through this mm. role transformation. I mean, how, I know it's a big question, but I'm curious for you sitting in this moment where this book's about to come out and you're about to expand again. Mm. Uh, what has that journey been like for you, putting yourself out there in that way? Because I know that can stop many of us. Yeah, it was at the, at the beginning, it was, it was uncomfortable. And I knew somewhere deep inside of me that it was the direction and that I needed to go. That I needed to chop wood, carry water, do the work, let go of the results as best as I could and uh, do my best and just see where my inner urgings would take me, um, see what kind of suggestions uh, I would receive from others. I felt like you were very instrumental in helping me to uh, try new things, open up and out to, to different experiences and different ways of, of working. Um, that invitation to go to Australia with you was was huge for me because, um, yeah, I'd been working in the in the Pilates studio system for for years, and and there was aspects of it that I loved so much, and I was ready for a change. And I think by that point, I'd missed traveling. You know, I used to tour as a dancer for years. I'd been all over the world, and and then suddenly I was stationary in one place in the studio in Palo Alto as beautiful and amazing as Palo Alto is or even if it was New York it's the same thing but suddenly to to have this opportunity to do those things was just um, life-changing uh, mind and, and consciousness expanding and heart opening and um, and I would I, I couldn't have fully envisioned life the way that it is right now with the opportunities that I've um, worked hard to create and cultivate and also uh, say yes to, like building an online membership community like Kor Gong, which I, I love it and I love the people who are part of it that I work with, um, that I work for and teach every week um, and also the people that work with me behind the scenes. It's just so amazing. and. Um, and just the having the the opportunity to share with people my experiences and my and uh, and some of the tools that I've picked up over the years 
that have helped me live the life that I that I live that like I said that I, I feel like is a good life and it's good for me um, and I could create this book um, it's just been really like beyond my wildest dreams mm. and I'm so grateful for it and I'm excited about what's what this will what fruit will bear from this um, and uh, I'm just feel so open and willing sometimes nervous <laughs> yeah. but um, and uh, but I, 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 I don't let that stop me mm. I don't let that stop me because I trust that I'm, I've been brought to this moment for, for a reason mm. it's not by accident mm. it's not by accident just like none of us are um, are where we are purely by accident you know, there's a there's a there's a there's a, a grand design that might not seem clear in the moment, but like you were saying before, sometimes when we get further along and you look back in retrospect, it all begins to make sense. You see the this trail of breadcrumbs. Mm. Yeah. So you created this beautiful book that literally within the last week or so, people are going to be bringing into their homes or, or listening to you through the headphones on the audiobook version, which I know you were finalizing even a few hours ago yeah. at the studio. Um, what was the process like? I know you're passionate about the topic. I know that you were pouring into this book so many different things that you knew, but what was the process of creating a book like for someone who had never yet created a book? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I think creating creating this book, I think it was helpful to have that online course as a framework in which to build from. Uh, and in some ways, the book mirrors that course. In some ways, it's it's a completely different animal. Um, and I think in the process of writing this book, like I said earlier, I just learned so much about myself. Um, it was a wonderful opportunity for me to I don't know, to in some ways not take some of the thoughts or some of the voices that, that we all have within us that might be discouraging or might be negative or what have you and just not give it a whole lot of time and space um, I would acknowledge a thought that was um, discouraging and just say oh thanks for sharing but no I <laughs> I have a book to write I have to move on with this um, there were moments like that and there were a few times when I felt like I I, I wanted to give up um, part of me thought at moments so while so much has been written about recovery what can you add that's going to be different. Mm. Um, and then I remembered that I'm an expert at my own story and my own path. And, and what I've learned from recovery is that we, we learn, we grow, we transform in part because we, we witness the growth and development and change in, in other people. And we have an opportunity to, to see that, to see ourselves in others. And it's just important to just share, 
share your truth, share your experience, strength, and hope. So, um, and in that process, it's, it's, sometimes you can feel vulnerable. Like there are times when, you know, I would say to you, I would express mm -hmm. to you how I felt very vulnerable in the process. I felt um, self-conscious about sharing per certain parts of my story or, um, yeah, or, or even, um, I don't know, no longer being anonymous in terms of my recovery. Um, not that I was tremendously before because I would write about it and, and put my short stories out there, but this is a whole other level. Um, so I had to work through that. And then also just the fact that I had never written a book before and, uh, and I knew that I would need help writing it. And Georgia gave me a list of people who, who could potentially help me write the book. And, uh, and I remember seeing this list there's a, a pretty long list of people, and one name jumped out at me, and it was just Jeff, who was my writing coach and editor, and just something told me to give him a call, and uh, we had our first meeting, and, uh, and I just knew that it was going to be a good match. And so he was the perfect teacher for me because he knew how to guide me in a way that... I could respond to. Um, he was able to hear me when I was feeling like I was losing my mind <laughs> in the process of writing. And he was able to say the right thing to reassure me. And, um, and he's just a great teacher. So, um, and it's just been a wonderful opportunity for me to just step more into myself. And uh, own my story, and move into a different level of mastery in my life, mm. and that's exciting. Mm. And and it's just a testament to a lot of hard work, mm. a lot of hard work. For a long time and so I'm really proud of this book and I'm really proud of this this journey and I and it's funny when I was writing the book there was a time when I said oh god I'll never do this again I oh, I, I hate that oh. <laughs> and then as I was getting to the end of writing the book I thought well maybe I could do this again this wasn't so bad <laughs> So, it's a bit yeah. like childbirth. I hear yeah. that. I hear the, the the friends and the family members that we have that remember childbirth. They say you somehow kind of forget it, and you need to so that you'll go through yeah. it again. But yeah. from my perspective, and I think this is because you have a very um, you and I, of course, like most couples, were quite different in the way that we approach things, and you were just very methodical and very disciplined, and the the way that you are about most things, you. You just kept showing up and doing the work. And mm -hmm. so um, what do you think the book is going to give to the reader? Mm. What I hope it gives the reader is tools to help them live a better life, to help them live the life that that they want to live, 
but didn't quite know exactly how to go from where they are to where they want to be um, on a level of body, mind, and spirit. Um, and I hope it's a process for them that meets them wherever they are. Um, I mean, there's so many things in the book that, that, that can just prove to be very valuable for people, no matter what their situation is, whether you're, even for people who aren't in recovery, I think the tools that I share are just um, useful for everyone. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I just want people to, I want to empower people. And I think this book is a way to empower people to tap into their own internal power and energy and build the life that they really want for themselves. Not necessarily the life that other people might want for them, but that they want for themselves. Yeah. I've known many people who are in recovery or on their journey of recovery, but I witness few of them embody self-care the way I witness that with you. And again, of course, I, I live with you, so I, I see it firsthand. But for you, yes, self-care and body-based well-being for mind, body, spirit is, is important for your recovery. I understand that, but, but it goes beyond that with you. It's just something that is innate to you. And, and, and that is what you've poured into this book, what you pour into your work. So I always think of you as not just a recovery advocate, but a well-being advocate mm -hmm. and somebody who walks that walk. And that really is your walk. And so seeing you share that with the rest of us can, can only benefit any of us, regardless of how we view our life or mm -hmm. whether we see ourselves as in recovery or not. And of course, you can argue that we're all in recovery. We're all in <laughs> exactly. recovery from the trauma or the stress of life. I think of recovery as change, mm -hmm. change, transition, and we're all constantly experiencing change mm -hmm. and transformation and transitions. And so the word recovery, I think, is applicable to, to all of us. Mm -hmm. um, I think when it comes to addiction, that's a, a slightly different um, corner <laughs> of the space. But yeah, I think recovery is something that we're all we're all doing mm. all the time, mm. all the time. And self-care, yeah, self-care is a full-time job. It is, it is. <laughs> it's a full-time job. It is. For me, it is. And, and, and that's one of the things that I think that this book is really useful mm. for is, is giving people self-care practices mm. to help them, you know, live life on life's terms and mm. meet life um, as it is, which is sometimes hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is an aspect of you that I want to share uh, that's slightly a sidebar to this, although you Am do Am I going to be embarrassed by this story? Um, let's hope not. <laughs> um, you, I always say to anyone who knows us, and I think I've even said it on video a few times, you have about 10 different laughs. Mm. Uh, it's like there are 10 different people inside you that laugh in 10 different ways. And one of the things I enjoy about the range of laughs is, is, is 
just hearing you laugh obviously is joyous for me, but one of the things you do is laughter yoga. So we are going to play you a short <laughs> clip of Stephen leading you through laughter yoga. Let's, let's roll the clip and take a look. I'm gonna set my timer and let's begin our laughter. <laughs> Okay, so that was Stephen leading a laughter yoga session and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you laughed. Tell us a little bit about this because it's uh, laughter yoga is something that not everybody has heard about, but when you first explain it to people, people seem confused. But then when they experience it and they have an experience of it, most people start laughing and are blown away by it. So tell us about laughter yoga. Uh, you know, years ago I was at a church in the Bay Area and the and the woman and the, on standing at the pulpit who gave the sermon that day just took us all through two minutes of laughter. She just encouraged us all to just start laughing. She started to laugh and then the rest of us started to laugh and then we were engaging with each other laughing as we stood there. And that just blew my mind. It was incredible. So it made me look up this, you know, these laughter classes and then I found laughter yoga. And it's basically just a practice where you where you do uh, certain movements and stretches and deep breathing and then and laughter. And sometimes the laughter can at first sound like it's, um, uh, I don't know, somewhat um, staged or, or mm -hmm. just um, very kind of mechanical, but then it quickly turns into genuine laughter. And it's not because someone makes a joke or what have you. And there's so many, you know, positive, um, benefits of doing of laughing you know it's good for it's good for your body mind and spirit it's good for your digestion it's good for your blood pressure it's good for managing stress I mean there's just so many different benefits of it all and um, and I just loved it so I went and for a weekend and I got certified I never uh, I didn't use it as much as I thought I would use it initially I thought I'd be teaching laughter yoga classes all around the Bay Area but what has happened for me is I've just been able to infuse it into my Qigong classes or my Pilates classes and just starting people off with just a minute or two of laughter. I Usually I start laughing and then people just start laughing because I'm laughing. And what I always find most interesting is or are the people who find it difficult to laugh that the laughter triggers tears. Mm. Um, or they just, they run up against a, a wall with it, which I think is brilliant and beautiful because it's such a 
powerful insight as to where you are in your life when it comes to laughter and experience of joy and happiness. Um, and I think it's just fertile ground for growth. So I love adding a little bit of laughter to my workshops and classes uh, because so much comes from it and I just think it sets a wonderful tone. It's, a, it's, like, it's almost like a palate cleanser for your day or for your life. And I think we all could use a little palate cleansing every now and again. It's true. <laughs> to turn yeah. the page. Yeah. yeah, yeah, beautiful. Well, congratulations on this book. And it's kind of amazing to see it sitting there given really this started almost three years ago, the journey yeah. of this book. Yeah. And I'm excited for you about this next phase. Before we go, what are you excited about in the next one to two years? Or what would you like to call in if, oh, wow. if you had the opportunity to call in something experiential or practical? Oh, that's so good. What are, what am I excited about? Well, I'm excited about conversations. Mm. I'm excited about having more conversations like this with people um, around this book or, or whatever. This is just like even a starting point. Mm. Um, I'm curious about just the types of conversations I'll have, the people I'll meet. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to... Um, the lives that these conversations are going to affect, um, many of which I'll never know about. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of exciting just to think about, just to contemplate. Um, and I just feel very abundant right now in my life. And I'm not even talking about uh, in a material sense. Mm. I just think that there's just an abundance of opportunity there's an abundance of growth and change and transformation, um, an abundance of information and, and knowledge, and and I'm I find all of that inspiring. Mm. So I'm looking forward to that type of energy coming into my life in the next year or so and, and how I'll be able to share that because I think it's always reciprocal. It's just this flow. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much where I am with it. That's pretty great. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for being here, love. Congratulations. I love you. Thank you. I love I'll you see too. you at home in okay. a couple of hours, okay. and uh, I'm I'm really yeah I'm just I'm just glad this vessel of change, transformation, information, and good energy is going out into the world. So, so thank you everyone for tuning in. Recovering you by Stephen Washington is now available at all of the places you can get books: Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and any bookstore. So. Do check that out. And also, Stephen has an amazing wellness on demand platform. So his Stephen Washington Experience membership features over a hundred classes, many of which are Qigong or Pilates oriented. There's some dance classes, there's some laughter yoga. It's a one-stop shop for all of your wellness needs and produced here by our team in this studio. So 
do check that out if you're looking for a way to have a daily or weekly connection to well-being. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next time on Impact the World. Lots of love. I'm thrilled to announce that we are bringing initiation back for 2022. We first held it at the end of last year and it is a channeled mystery school. Even I don't fully know what my guides will bring through in the weekly transmissions, but their intent, and this is the message they've given me, is to synchronize us with the frequencies, the information and the energies for this passage of time that we're moving through. I can attest that it was very powerful last year and we had over 5,000 people join us from all around the world, so it was an incredible container. This year, we are starting initiation on October 26th, and for those of you who would like to join us live, I will be doing weekly live broadcasts where I channel my guides for 90 minutes each time. And in between those live broadcasts, I like to deliver what I call a calibration video, where I will guide you through the energetic and psychological process that we go through. If you want to watch it, on replay, you will have lifetime access to all of the material. So whether you can join us live or not, you will get around 10 hours worth of material. This includes a welcome MP3 message from my guides all about what the initiation journey is designed to be and what you will be inviting into your life as you take this ride with us. We are also giving you our brand new album Timelines, which we have paired with the course and you will be receiving that two months ahead of everyone else. Alongside that we have self-care guides and a wonderful community forum where you can share with other members of the group what you're going through, how you're experiencing it and there is so much medicine in that community. These are always very exciting and slightly unknown events for me because in turning over to my guides as much as I'm about to I always know that we're going to go on a very shamanic journey, but it always seems to intersect perfectly with what's going on in the world at that time and what those of us who show up for the journey are bringing in and calling in for our year to come. So if initiation feels like the right call for you at the right time, we would love to welcome you. Click the link below for more details.